Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank all of our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you AgriCorps, Spirits Canada, University of Guelph OAC Dean's Office and Department of Plant Agriculture, MNP, Pride Seeds, and Roberts Farm Equipment, New Holland. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Jennifer Wright, the Senior HR Advisor at the Canadian Agriculture Human Resource Council, about hiring and retaining employees on the farm. And I will have a conversation with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Congratulations to Jeff Hunsberger. Jeff is the winner of our January Early Bird Draw. He registered for the 2021 March Classic. And now he has a Grain Farmers of Ontario branded Carhartt jacket. If you haven't registered yet, sign up at gfo.ca slash marchclassic. There is another chance to win with our February early bird contest. This year's March Classic is being held March 22nd to 23rd. It's an online event featuring a trade show, networking opportunities, and an engaging speaker lineup that includes Tyne Morgan and the U.S. Farm Report, Jim Hanman from the Science Media Centre of Canada, and Joanne MacArthur from Nourish Food Marketing. Attendees will also have the chance to win great prizes with our giveaway passport contest, including a home office technology setup from Grain Farmers of Ontario, one of three John Deere gift cards worth $500 each to use on parts, service, or equipment from the John Deere Dealers of Ontario, and a Grain Farmers of Ontario branded mini fridge. More details can be found at gfo.ca slash marchclassic. Grain Farmers of Ontario is hosting a Grain Talk Farmer Forum on corn rootworm resistance this Monday, February 8th at 7 p.m. The forum will include a U.S. farmer's perspective on corn rootworm, information on Ontario resistance, management, and feed options. Guest speakers will discuss BT-resistant corn rootworm and what it could mean for your planting decisions this spring and into the future. For more information on this event and to register, please visit gfo.ca slash agronomy. The Ontario Cereal Crop Committee recently held its annual Quality Subcommittee and Main Committee meetings. The committee acts as the recommending body to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency for cereal variety registration in Ontario. Here's what received support for registration in Ontario this year. Five new winter wheat varieties, including three soft red winter and two hard red winter, one hard red spring wheat variety, four new spring barley, two new winter barley, and three new oat varieties. And now, here's my conversation with Jennifer Wright. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, Farm Credit Canada, John Deere Canada, BASF Canada Inc., Ingredient Canada Corporation, and Pioneer. Welcome to another edition of the Grain Talk podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Jennifer Wright from the Canadian Agri-Human Resource Council. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, So, Jennifer, you're the Senior HR Advisor and Stakeholder Engagement Specialist with the Canadian Agri-HR Council. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself uh, and the role with 
uh, Kark and what you do there. Sure. So um, I actually grew up on um, a farm in southwestern Ontario. We had uh, soybeans, grain, corn. At uh, one point we had animals as well. And uh, then my mom and dad had a farm equipment dealership. Um, so I grew up in the agribusiness side of things as well. Um, I've been living in Ottawa for about 25 years now, but stayed connected with my roots with agriculture and uh, have been working in all areas of HR um, for about the last 20 years. Um, as far as my role at CARC, um, I work with partners such as the Grain Farmers of Ontario uh, to help develop strong HR practices in the agriculture industry. And so I support partners in providing training, information to their members, conducting and supporting research to make sure that uh, we have the most relevant information and tools and resources to develop those best HR practices within the industry. It sounds like it's a lot of hats per se and kind of like there's just a lot of, of balancing going on between the different partners. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of uh, similarities in some of the labor shortage issues and, and HR issues, but uh, then there's definitely some things that are unique to different commodity groups as well. For sure. So what do you think is probably the most misunderstood part about human resources? Um, well, that's a really good question. Um, I think one of the uh, biggest things that's misunderstood is people think of HR as um, just being payroll, um, hiring and firing, and that's about it, and that that's the only function that it serves. Um, but really, HR is uh, much broader than that. It's, you know, how you take care of your people. So on the one hand, I feel like it's misunderstood from, you know, is it just payroll, hiring and firing? And on the other hand, I feel like when we start to talk about HR, um, a lot of employers, especially small employers that may only have one or two employees, feel like it's an overwhelming topic and they don't know how to do it um, you know, within their own work environment. And you know, they, it's quite a simple process, um, but it does get a little, feel overwhelming, I think, to some of the smaller employers, especially. For sure. And so um, so that's why there's the organizations such as CARC, right, to help those that kind of need that little bit of extra push in kind of making it a little less daunting then. Yeah, we've really done a lot of work to try to um, help simplify the process and, and create some good tools, templates, resources, so that it's easy to have great HR practices. Uh, within your small organization. We have our Agri-HR Toolkit, for example, which has all the HR policies that you can download, um, interview questions, job descriptions, health and safety, pretty much everything you need, um, and a pretty user-friendly way to access it. So that's definitely one of our roles is to, to help support that development. So, and speaking about the farm and farm operations, so why is HR so important for farms? You know, people really are the key to getting the work done on the farm. And as much as automation and technology may be coming into play, farms will always need people to do work. Um, and the better HR practices the more that you have, the more efficient your farm will operate. You'll have less turnover. You'll have better uh, skilled workers because they'll, they'll be with you longer and their experience uh, in your operation will help them be um, more efficient and productive. They'll be happier because they're happy to be there. 
Um, and the better reputation your firm has as a workplace, the easier it's going to be to recruit people when you do need to hire because they will want to come and work for you. And then when we look at the labor shortage that uh, the industry is facing, I mean, right now, the current labor gap in Canada, uh, Canadian primary production is around 63,000 workers. That loss is actually, um, or that shortage actually resulted in a loss of about 2.9 billion or 4.7% of the industry's total value in sales across the country. Um, and that's forecasted to grow to 123,000 workers in the next 10 years. So if we think of that shortage, and we know how you know many producers are already finding it hard to, to find workers, it just amplifies the reason to have great HR practices because you're going to, again, be able to hire people easier have people want to come and work for you and they're going to stay. So speaking of best practices, um, what would you recommend for hiring staff on the farm? I think you really need to be prepared when you're looking at hiring someone. Just take a bit of time. Uh, start out by, you know, thinking about what are you really looking for? What do you really need? What are the things that are going to be part of the job that you're going to hire for? Because that will really help you look for the right person. And then once you figure out what you really need, where are you going to look for them? How are you going to find that person? Where's that person with those skills going to be? And, you know, is it word of mouth? Is it um, talking to someone that might already work on your firm that may know someone? Do you need to go out and uh, hire? Can you connect with a local college or university that may have new grads coming out? You know, or is there apprenticeship programs that you could access? Those are the type of things that you want to think about when you're going to look as well, because you want to make sure you're getting the word out to the right audience that's going to have the people that you're looking for. And then uh, you also want to take the time once you do have those resumes coming in to you know, review the resumes, be prepared for your interviews, have the same questions asked to the people that you decide to interview so that there's a equal way of um, evaluating each candidate. And then, you know, making that decision on who you're going to hire, making sure you have things in place like um, the letter of offer and, you know, start date, you're ready for them on their first day. You do some on, you do some training when they arrive, you explain things, you don't just leave them to say, you know, figure it out on your own. So those are some of the things that will, that will really help uh, make a good and lasting hiring decision. And that's going to be really important for the long-term health of your operation. Where are the best places to post like hiring vacancies for farmers? It depends on the type of uh, job that you're hiring for. Um, I know indeed.com has been a great resource. There's acareers.com uh, as well, um, which are, are is a bit more obviously agriculture specific. Um, definitely make sure that you're connecting with your um, local colleges and universities, as I mentioned as well, for those new entry type of uh, positions. Um, but you can also use the local job board uh, through your employment office, um, high schools, if you're looking for seasonal, um, seasonal hires uh, for younger workers as well. Um, and then, you know, getting the word out, I guess, through COVID, you know, we're not necessarily at our local coffee shops or, um, you know, maybe hanging around the mill as much as we might be, but you can definitely use things like Facebook, um, 
you know, share it in your community groups um, and just get that word out that way to raise awareness. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about hiring. Um, so what are your kind of thoughts on, or what can farmers do to ensure that they've got the best uh, chances of hiring the best candidate for the role that they're looking for? Um, well, I think one of the things that is often missed is, you know, spending a little bit of time on the job description that you're posting um, and talking a little bit about what the role is. I know often uh, there can be frustration where, you know, you hire someone and, you know, the first weekend they need off and they aren't aware that that's not possible during, you know, harvest, for example. Um, so taking a little bit of time to develop that job description in the job posting, talk a little bit about what it's like to work in the job, you know, um, what the work environment is like, be honest, um, will really help set the expectation uh, about what the person applying is applying for. Um, that can really help with retention. It can help get the right person. Um, and maybe you'll have less people applying, but you'll have uh, people that are more set and ready to do the work. Also, if you spend a little bit of time providing some detail, instead of just, you know, hiring general labor X dollars per hour, apply here. You know, that's not really giving a lot of description about what you're looking for. Is that general labor going to be running the combine? Are they going to be, um, you know, sweeping the barn? What is, what are you looking for out of that person? Um, so you need to spend a bit of time just to provide even like four or five points on what a typical day would look like for them. Again, that's gonna help um, create a picture of what it's like to work in the job and hopefully help attract um, maybe a smaller candidate pool, but the right candidate pool. So what are your thoughts on stating what the uh, rate of payer compensation will be on that job posting? Do you think that helps or do you think that kind of hinders you know, getting the right candidate for the role? So personally, I think it helps. Um, there's lots of, you know, different views on whether it helps or not, but I think it does because it provides, uh, even if you give a range, it provides a good indicator of the level of experience uh, that you're looking for, the level the job is within, on the firm, um, you know, the lower hourly wage kind of indicates that it's more of an entry-level job perhaps, um, but it, and it also helps again set that expectation for people applying. They know um, what that compensation range will be, and by applying, they're giving you an indication that they would be okay working within that compensation range. I think it's also important to not just um, state the hourly or the salary, um, but also talk about other things that are part of the package. And, you know, it, maybe you have benefits, maybe you have, um, you do training, um, lunch and learns or, you know, anything like that. Um, maybe there's a bonus at the end of the year. Um, those type of things can also help um, give an idea of what it's like to work on your farm and what, what other things they may um, benefit from in the compensation package. 
For sure. It's always good to know and kind of helps when you're applying to jobs to know that. Um, I know when I was starting out and I was looking at jobs before I ended up where I was, that that was definitely something I was looking at. And uh, the jobs that didn't have it, I would kind of shied away from just because it, you never know what you're going to get. Um, so <laughs> that's right. And, and even things, or I'll just say even things like, uh, I talked a little bit about in the job posting about setting expectations and describing what the job's about, but, um, you know, if in that compensation, you're saying that there's three weeks vacation, um, you might want to stipulate that that three weeks vacation may be in the winter when, you know, uh, it's not prime production time. Um, exactly <laughs> again or you know what to expect where you might have uh be working longer days and weekends over the summer but you benefit from by you know having uh shorter days and and no weekend work through the winter or whatever it may be but uh it just goes to setting that expectation from your standpoint if you could step into my shoes what is one question you would have asked yourself that i didn't ask you um, that's a good question. I would say, you know, given the labor shortage and not always having workers right in your area available to, to meet your employment needs, what can I do to attract workers that might not be uh, typical agriculture workers? So what can I do to attract people to work on my farm that might not have worked on a farm before? And I think that's going to be a really important question for farmers. Uh, well, I think it's an important question now, but also in the future as there's fewer and fewer people available to do the work. Um, and so I think in that respect, you want to be thinking, what does my work environment have to offer? What are other jobs that might not be in agriculture that may have similar type of skills or experience or, um, you know, knowledge that could be transferred into my work environment. And then where do I go and look for those people and try to uh, describe to them what it would be like to work for me and why it would be a good place to work. So I think it's that really becoming a bit more open-minded about um, where you're looking for workers, what type of experience and background they may be bringing, and being open to experiences and backgrounds that aren't, you know, the person down the road that grew up on their family farm is now going to come and work for me. Um, because those people are becoming few and far between, and we do need to start looking at attracting people that are not traditional agriculture workers or farm, farm workers who want to come and work in the industry. For sure. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good, a good thing to do is to look outside the industry and kind of step outside of it because we get kind of, I guess, locked into that, the small world that is the agriculture industry and kind of forget about those that may be interested but are a little bit intimidated because they don't have any farming background. Yeah, exactly. And I mean... I think that you can we can all learn a lot from working with people from that have worked in other industries uh, or bring different backgrounds and experience because they bring a new way of doing things. Um, it's, and sometimes, very often, those new way of doing things can help identify, oh, that's actually 
I've done it this way forever, but this person comes in and sees like, well, why don't you try it this way? And it becomes a more efficient, productive way, saves time, saves money, you know, um, having that diversity of thought within the, within your firm can really benefit um, how you, how you operate as well. You mentioned earlier about the Agri HR toolkit. Do you kind of want to go into a little bit more in more depth about what that is and how that can help farmers across Canada, I guess? The Agri HR toolkit was uh, something that CARC developed so that there was um, a resource available that was specific to primary production and could be easily um, accessed and applied by producers of all one employee to 100 employees or whatever. Um, and you can access it through our website, which is caahrc-ccrha.ca. The AgriHR Toolkit is there. Uh, Green Farmer of Ontario members, because they're a partner of CARC, uh, actually have free access to that resource with a, a code. And the toolkit is very well laid out, super user-friendly, um, has the different topics that you might be looking for, whether it be hiring, um, interview questions, how to put a job description together, um, what to think about around health and safety and training, how to, um, how to look at inclusion and diversity within your policies and, and your hiring, your work culture, um, really easy things to, to grab, bits of information that are you know, easy to read and informative. Um, and then there is also the HR uh, employee handbook, which is something that you can download. You can put your logo on, your farm name on, you can customize it to be your own, um, but it has all the HR policies that you would need in an operation. And uh, it's kept up to date as far as uh, employment legislation and that kind of thing as well. Um, so it's an easy way to bring good HR policies into your organization or your, your firm without having to start to write those yourself because that task um, can be pretty daunting. So if you are looking for that code, please email hr at gfo.ca to get the code for that AgriHR toolkit. Um, and Sarah will be happy to get that to you. So, Jen, there's a, a number of webinars coming up over the next couple of months with the CAHRC. Do you mind going into a little bit of detail about what those are and what our members can expect from them? The first one's coming up on um, February 17th, and that one's going to uh, focus on um, some tips to help find and hire workers. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about figuring out what you really need when you're hiring, um, how to put that into a job description and a job ad, where to look for those people, and uh, then what to do when you find them and how to keep them on your farm as well once you do hire them. Um, so that one is uh, February 17th at 10 o'clock, and registration will be um, available shortly, I believe, through, um, through your website. Uh, the next one is going to be March 31st, I believe, at 10 o'clock again, and the focus on that one is going to be a bit more discussion around health and safety. Um, and then there'll be another webinar um, probably after the main part of the season's done, maybe back, maybe into the fall, 
where we'll look at uh, HR planning and how to prepare uh, for the next season coming up. Wow, that's a lot of webinars coming up over the next couple of months for our farmer members with lots of great information. So I look forward to uh, posting those out there and getting people to sign up for those. Um, so Jen, I think that's all for today. I do want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to sit down and talk with me about um, CARC and all of the good things that they do and the hiring process too as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, and thanks so much for having me and, uh, and for talking about the very important topic of HR management. Green Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We would like to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, Bayer, Extendflex, and Tricepta, DeKalb, Greenfield Global, CCAM, and Syngenta Canada, Inc. Joining me for an update on what's been happening with Green Farmers of Ontario is Crosby Devitt, CEO of Green Farmers of Ontario. Thanks for joining me today, Crosby. Good afternoon, Rachel. So we right now are in a bit of a transition period for Green Farmers of Ontario in that we're going to be having um, a new chair of the board of directors elected um, next week. Can you give us an update on what's happening with that? That's right, Rachel. We, uh, we are having a board meeting next week of the Grain Farmers of Ontario Board of Directors. And at our February meeting is essentially the inaugural board meeting um, where the board elects their chair for the year. And uh, this year, uh, our current chair, Marcus Hurl, will be completing his third year as chair. And as an organization, we have a maximum term of three years. And that means we'll be electing a new chair uh, next week. Crosby, the Board of Directors plays a major role in how we run as an organization. Can you give us a sense of exactly what that entails? Certainly. So we have a, a very active Board of Directors uh, that guide the priorities and the, the main areas of work of the organization and, and set policies and uh, you know, really give the marching orders to the to the staff to uh, to turn into action. And so there's 15 members on the board of directors, and each of those board members are a farmer uh, that are elected from their district. And so we've got 15 districts, and each of them have one board member. Uh, the board has 10 regular board meetings per year, um, so it's quite a commitment, and it's very active. And uh, certainly these days, they're all virtual meetings, but uh, in normal times, they would be meeting face-to-face. -face. And in between those meetings, there's a number of subcommittees of the board uh, that provide advice and recommendations to the board. So uh, key areas would include research, market development, communications, government relations. Now, Crosby, as you mentioned, our current chair, Marcus Hurl, has reached his maximum term. Can you give us, I guess, a sense of what it was like working with Marcus over the past three years and sort of what do you think uh, Marcus's legacy is with the board? Yeah, Marcus has been a tireless leader for the last three years uh, as the chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario. As you can imagine, um, you know, the chair is the spokesperson for the organization in a lot of areas, especially with government. Um, is often the primary media spokesperson for the organization on, on many, many issues. And also uh, a key leadership position uh, for the board, 
but also as myself as CEO. Um, you know, there's a strong partnership uh, and working relationship between the CEO and the chair of the board, uh, which is absolutely critical. And so, um, when I say tireless, I mean it. Uh, uh, it's a it's a huge commitment um, away from from his business, and uh, Marcus has not shied away from that at all. Um, and as you know, we've had a lot of change in in GFO. Uh, just about a year ago, uh, Barry Semft, our previous CEO, retired, and I took over, and so Marcus uh, helped shepherd and and lead us through the transition to ensure that it was as smooth as possible. Now, I guess one thing that maybe has, hasn't changed so much is some of the issues that we're dealing with at the government relations level. It seems like there's always something going on in terms of our ASTA government and, and the work that we're doing on behalf of our farmer members in that regard. Can you give us an update on what's currently happening on that front? Absolutely. Yep. There's, uh, there's always a lot of activity on that side of things. Uh, there's a couple of things I think I'd like to talk about that are, are top of mind and, and big issues right now for for grain farmers in Ontario and the and the GFO board and organization, and that's um, the risk management program provincially as well as the carbon tax nationally. And the the risk management program has been a, a program that's been around for for a, a number of years now, and it is really the the business risk management program that provides you know critical value to grain farmers in the province and. Uh, we're very happy to see an increase in, in contribution from the province of an additional 50 million across commodities um, this past year, but it still uh, remains underfunded. Um, and so there's a lot of work that's underway right now to find ways to, uh, to improve that situation. And we're working with our commodity partners that are in the risk management program as well. So it's not just the grain farmers of Ontario pushing that way. Um, we, we see this, as a critical program for the future uh, of grain farmers to smooth out those big dips uh, when they come um, and help us build stronger businesses. The second one is the carbon tax. And I think there's been a lot of media, there's been a lot of discussion um, at our district meetings, at the board, et cetera, um, with the federal government's direction to essentially uh, lay out a suite of, of tactics to reduce uh, carbon emissions. And one of those is a rapidly escalating carbon tax. And uh, what we do know is that uh, that carbon tax will continue to go up and it applies to uh, a lot of things on farm. And uh, calculations show that um, with the current uh, plan, uh, this will severely increase the cost of production, um, especially on grain drying. And our organization is looking to see grain drying and on-farm uh, use exempt from the carbon tax. There's just no ability to um, mitigate that, um, which is the intent of that, and there's no way to pass those costs on. So they're just borne by the farmer um, and, and won't actually help achieve the, uh, the goals of carbon reduction. There's, there's much better ways to do it than uh, a carbon tax on grain drying. Is the carbon tax one of those issues that our farmer members can help in any way in terms of letting their uh, local MPs know about the impact? Certainly, and I think a, a lot of farmers are doing that, and it's important to uh, to engage with your local politicians, right, uh, on issues that are important to you. Um, this one is, is particularly uh, important to farmers, and I think one of the things about it is that it's so direct. 
um, when you receive your propane or natural gas bill, um, you see you see it on the bill. And uh, I know a lot of farmers are sharing those bills uh, with their members of parliament. Uh, it's if you're not if you're not farming and you're not involved in the business, it's easy to not really understand the scope of something like this and the impact it can have. And so there's absolutely nothing like a real world example of how it impacts you as a farmer and uh, what you'd like to see as a solution to your local politician. Well, thank you for taking the time to get us up to date on what's been happening lately, Crosby. We appreciate your time and we look forward to finding out the results of the election for the uh, new chair of our board of directors next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Rachel. Great speaking with you. Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash Green Talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Jennifer Wright and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.